Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home run. Mike Piazza and the Mets lead. Gentlemen, Mets fans of all ages, here is your host, Nick Durst. Hello, Mets fans. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Mets. I'm your host, Nick Durst. And I really wanted to come on here right now, being so excited about the Mets' big victory on Thursday night where they had to wait an hour for a rain delay, and then Mark Canna comes up to give him the, the go-ahead run with the bases loaded and the sack fly. And I want to talk about the sensational Kodai Senga, who is the ace of the staff, a 3.17 ERA, and fourth-best ERA in the majors. The guy should be the rookie year, in my opinion. But unfortunately, I need to come on here and discuss the fact that I'm disgusted at Billy Epler, who trades David Robertson in the middle of a rain delay to the division rival, Miami Marlins. Billy, what the heck are you doing? Trading for these minor leaguers who are the age of 18 and 19. If you're lucky, at best, these guys will be in the majors in 2027. Do you really think Billy Epler is going to be the general manager of the New York Mets in 2027? No freaking way. He'll be lucky if he's the general manager after this offseason. They're bringing in David Stearns. Billy Epler, he trades for a catcher. What is the Mets' strength? They have Francisco Alvarez. He's the catcher of the future. Their top prospect, as we know, is Ryan Mauricio. Their second top prospect is Kevin Parada, who's a catcher. I don't get it. What are you doing, Billy Epler? Why are you rushing to make this trade a few days before the trade deadline to a division rival in the middle of a rain delay? David Robertson is the best closer on the market. And you give him away for two minor leaguers who are the age of 18 and 19, who will not be in the majors till 2027. I am disgusted. To help me digest all this, and talk about the Mets splitting the Subway Series and everything else going into this trade deadline here. I'm excited to welcome in our guest today from the You Know I'm Right podcast, available on all streaming platforms and YouTube. Check them out. Check it out. It's a great show. Here he is, Mr. Joe Calvarese. How are you, pal? Got to breathe a little bit over here. I'm not doing well, Joe. I don't know what the heck the Mets are doing. I don't know what Billy Epler's doing. I don't know what the heck Billy Epler's doing either. In the middle of a rain delay. I Three days before the trade deadline. It, it, am I wrong to say Dan Robinson was the top reliever on the market? He was the top reliever on the market. What was he, 14 of 17 in save opportunities this season? Yeah, two ERA. Could help a team. That's not necessarily closer. He could be your setup guy, too. Could be your leverage, uh, long relief guy. Yeah, sure, absolutely. The veteran of the game, 
most versatile reliever on the market, the best reliever on the market. And yeah, to trade him during a rain delay. I mean, you and I have known Billy Epler has been the problem for a while now, but this just, this hammers the point home. I'm just flabbergasted. I don't know what the heck he was doing, but before we go any further, tell all the great Believe in the Mets fans about the You Know I'm Right podcast. You Know I'm Right podcast, which started a couple of years ago with mostly sports and sports media interviews, has now expanded. Uh, beyond that, we do entertainment, comedians, musicians, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we get the career origin stories of all of our guests. So if you're looking to get into the world of media, if you're looking just to uh, follow up on some of your favorite media personalities, get their background stories, how they got into the business. Um, we have a terrific podcast. Uh, recently had on uh, New York Jets, a former New York Jets general manager, Mike Tannenbaum. Uh, we have a lot of great guests coming up. Uh, former NFL player, former NFL All-Pro uh, will be our next episode release uh, next week. So. For everybody who hasn't checked out the You Know I'm Right podcast already, please do so. Check it out. Uh, subscribe. Leave a review. You know, all that good stuff. Yeah, some great Mets guests on there as well. Pat Gazzo, a beat reporter for the Mets, who is supposed to be our next guest here on the Believe in the Mets podcast for the trade deadline special on Monday. So be, be on the lookout for that. Art Shamsky, 1969 Mets legend, has been on. Turk Wendell and course the immortal jay horowitz who is the long time pr guy so go check out the you know my podcast at ykir podcast on social media and subscribe wherever you get your podcast on youtube so back to this david robertson trade to me it just does not make sense i don't know what was going on there and like i said at the top you could have gotten more how, how do you feel about trading? Well, you're waving the white flag here, obviously, a few days before the deadline in the middle of a win saying we're done. We're out of it. Okay. I think you should have waited till the trade deadline to do that. Read it to the last second. You're playing the, the Nationals. You could get a four game sweep and you got to see what's going on. The Phillies are free falling. The Marlins are free falling. And now you're going to help the Marlins. How do you feel about helping a division rival at the trade deadline? Well, I think it's more than that because you look at the trade that the Mets made here, and again, it's for two lower-level prospects. One's an infielder. One, as you mentioned, is a catcher, which is redundant to what the organizational strength is right now. And it's interesting because catchers are, are so rare these days. So for the Mets' strength to be a catcher, uh, but you could have made this trade, the same exact trade, on deadline day. And you could have probably – gotten a slightly better return at the very least. Right. Don't you think the Angels would have maybe been interested in David Robertson? Absolutely. And you look at how uh, – so it's apples and oranges a little bit because you compare the Lucas Giolito trade a little more to the Luis Castillo trade last year. Uh, but you look at what one of the bigger starting pitchers available on the market got, and it's a pretty good return. It's a return that a lot of people – weren't necessarily expecting, right? So a valuable trade ship uh, like a David Robertson should have commanded more than he did. You should have and, been looking at a AAA prospect who is going to be either could either break into the majors this year right. or if not next year. And you need you had to go get a pitcher. 
How do you not get a pitcher in this right. trade? The Mets' right. weakness is pitching. Yeah, no team is going to give up a, cl- a pitcher that's close to the majors, but you could get yourself a quality position player uh, who's ready to, to break through. And you go out and you find a, a better match at the lower levels, uh, find a pitcher who's these, – these prospects, what, they're 18 and 19, so they're, they're relatively young. Again, they're not going to be in the majors uh, until five years from now, and Billy Apple is not going to be with the Mets after uh, September. Yeah. Now, let's, so, let's, let's say, so looking at Ronald Hernandez, the guy they got, he's a catcher. He profiles to be a catcher or maybe a DH. Not good to be saying maybe he's going to be a DH when he's 19 years old. This year – in the Florida Coast League rookie ball, in 31 games, he's batting 298 and he's got three home runs, 25 RBIs. His previous two seasons in rookie ball, he batted 236 and 209 with three home runs and two home runs. So I don't know who the heck knows what this guy's going to be again. He's a catcher. So you're not going to see him until he's 25, 26 in the majors. The other guy I got, Marco Vargas, in middle, middle infielder, plays third base as well, bats left, throws right. He is 18 years old, okay? So <laughs> how long is it going to be before you see this guy? Because you got Ronnie Mauricio, he's like 22. He's, he's lighting it up. He's not getting a chance to sniff the majors right now. But he is a career minor league hitter of 305 in two seasons with four home runs, 57 RBIs, and 22 stolen bases. So who knows what these guys are going to be. But like we just said, Billy Epper will not be around by the time no. these guys get to the major leagues. And it doesn't make sense because even if you think Ronnie Murcio is a trade ship, you don't necessarily go out and trade your best player for depth behind that guy, right? Because you could always go into the draft process next year, draft a catcher right in the higher rounds. Uh, there, there are certain ways to do this, right? So this, again, don't agree with this here. You and I have known this for a really long time. Billy Epler is currently the biggest problem with the Mets. Um, they've been very, very disappointing this season. Sure, there's some blame to go around in all different types of directions. Uh, but I think, number one, the biggest problem right now is that the general manager has been in over his head for a little while. And you're right. It's time to go out and get David Stearns. Yep. So we mentioned Ronnie Mauricio. Sorry, Mets fans, but he's not getting called up this year. Because why would they? They're going to be out of it now. If they if they wanted to win this year, they would have called him up like three months ago, two months ago. I don't think DJ Stewart would be starting all these games right now, and Danny Mendick if they want if they're going to call, if they any plans to call up Ronnie Mauricio this year to compete. And they're not calling him up. Maybe you'll see him next year after like April. So they you know set the arbitration stuff. They're not going to waste him now. The thing with Ronnie Mauricio, Joe, is. This guy needs to be the starting either left fielder or second baseman for the Mets next year. If they trade him in the offseason, it's just going to make the, the team, the depth, the farm system much worse. And the other reason we're not going to call up right now is because they want to protect his trade value in the offseason if they do trade him. They don't want anyone to see maybe he can't hit in the majors. Look what they've done with Mark Fientos. They've shown he's probably not going to be the star in the major leagues. Fred Beatty, he's struggling. But Ronnie Mauricio needs to be in there next year, either at second base, you move McNeil to the outfield, or in left field and put him out there, or maybe put him at third base. Maybe Brett Beatty, he can move to the left field. But 
You, Joe, you know, we're going to talk Subway Series. You're a Yankee fan. You constantly see Brian Cashman mismanaging these top prospects and eventually dumping them for nothing. So how do you think the Mets should proceed here with Ronnie Mauricio? Well, the organizational philosophy for the Yankees is different because they don't build a farm system that has stars. They build a farm system that can develop plug-and-play support players around the star players that they acquire elsewhere in different ways, right? So when you look at it, yeah, sure, they developed Aaron Judge. That, that was all in great, right? But Aaron Judge was an incredibly high draft pick, right? So he was expected on some level to be an everyday major league starter, contributor. Uh, he developed into an all-star and a perennial you know, top-level player. So kudos to them. But when you look at the rest of the team, a lot of the team, like a John Carlos Stanton, an Anthony Rizzo, a Glaber Torres, a Garrett Cole, right? How are all these guys acquired? Your trades? So what exactly do you think is Billy Epler's philosophy? Obviously, he was groomed in the Bronx by Brian Cashman. So is he looking for these plug-and-play guys? Or what is he looking to do here with Ronnie Mauricio and some of these other talented individuals that they have in the farm system for the Mets? Well, it's been the Yankees' MO, and, and their philosophy is – been a lot different than the Mets. So Epler, you can kind of see similarities uh, with the Mets roster. Now, the Mets went into this season thinking, okay, we took a really nice two-step leap last year. You look at what they did in the offseason. Essentially, they replaced DeGrom with Verlander. Uh, they brought in Kodai Senga, who I thought was going to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He should win the National League Rookie of the Year, right? Uh, but when you look at the roster this year, it's mostly the same as it was last year, right? Uh, and that's a very Yankees thing from year to year. We've been doing this since about 2017, 2018. We've been looking at primarily the same right. core so you group. Could, you could tell that Eckler really learned from Brian Cashman. Yeah, it's this, the Yankees roster has been structured similarly for the last five or six years Joe, you, you were at the wild card game with me when the mets got one hit and you know maybe there was some cheating there but what did i tell you my movie i said if if this team comes back with the same offense next year i'm not going to a game and right. what's happened and what happened same offense. oh eduardo escobar he had such a great september it's gonna carry over this guy's gone he's on the angels he fit his first home run after like a month with them I mean, to me, this season got off to a bad start the moment they couldn't finalize the Carlos Correa deal. Now, I understand he's not having this fantastic season. However, if you combine Beatty's stats with Escobar's stats to Correa's stats, Carlos Correa would have been an improvement for this team. I think there would have been a different energy in the clubhouse. And when you then can't get him and you don't do anything else, what kind of message do you think that sends to the players, Joe? It, it tells them that, hmm, you know, we'll see. We're confident about you guys. You know, we're not going to really make any improvements. Let's just try to run it back. We got Darren Ruff. We got Vogel back. You know, we'll be fine. And then, of course, Diaz gets hurt. And I thought even with Diaz, this ballpen was going to be a weakness because 
Adovino this year took a step back a little. Rayleigh's been okay. Roberts has been great. You don't want anybody else beyond that. So it's just a big mess with this team. Yeah, I mean, they have some components for success. It's the truth. Uh, last year, they probably overachieved a little bit. But, I mean, we said this from the very beginning. When you lose somebody like Edwin Diaz, and he his career as a Met did not get off to the, the greatest start, but he really stabilized himself last year, and he became one of the two best closers, three best closers in all of Major League Baseball, right? So when you when you don't – when you know that you're not going to have that presence all season long, it puts a strain on the rest of everybody else. And now you look at the Mets pitching, right? And we'll leave this into the Subway Series stuff. Outside of Scherzer, who's been not great, has he been bad? No, he's been kind of just okay. He's supposed to be the leader of the staff here. But you look down the staff, Justin Verlander, Kodai Senga, Quintana, right? Those three guys have pitched relatively well. Uh, the, pro- the problem is Quintana's only pitched two games. Right. But, I mean, so far, he looks pretty good. So Carlos Carrasco has been off. But he, at this point, he's more of a back-end guy. So it's you look to try and kind of see if you can replace that uh, heading into the, the August, late August here in September. Um, maybe you try a call-up. Maybe you try somebody else in that spot. Yeah. Uh, because Carlos Carrasco is not going to be a Met next year. No, I, I do not want them to trade Justin Verlander. Because yeah, this is not going to be a rebuild. This is going to be a – we're going for it next season. So you need yeah. to have him there. He's still pitching like a like – Sure, you go into next year, in my opinion. Going into next season, in my opinion, you say to yourself, we have an ace. His name's Kodai Singh, okay? We got Scherzer. He could be our four guy. We got to – you know, well, we got Verlander. He could be the, he could be the three guy. Let's go get a number two. Let's go get a Blake Snell or something like that. And sure. we're good to go. And the number five starter, you want to go Peterson, McGill, that's fine. Right. But I wouldn't Agreed. trade Verlander. Scherzer, I don't think you're going to be able to trade. And now I'm worried with the trade deadline to see what else Billy Upper could do. Yeah. Because he bad, he's got a bad tra- track record at the deadline. This is going to be my other point. How many sellable assets do the Mets really have? Tommy Two. Pham. Tommy Pham and David Robertson. That's it. Sam should have been gone already. And the thing is, Starling Marte didn't have a great season. But if Marte, even if he didn't Marte match the season that he had last year. With this contract. Now, let's see. Mark Canna last night. Two hits and a sack fly. Can you trade him today to get some value? <laughs> you can trade him. You can trade him at the deadline. Some team would be willing to give something similar to Robertson, giving a low a low-A guy or a, a, some type of single-A guy. Because um, you got to remember, Canna has major league at-bats under his belt. Yeah. Is he having he's necessarily a, a good season? Yeah, he's a pro. You mix in a pro on a team that uh, is ready to win this year, sure. Right. How about this trade? Omar Navarez, who they signed to be the starting catcher, to the Yankees for Marinaccio. Marinaccio has not been good. You do not want him. The Mets need a bullpen arm. Marinaccio cherries. Maraschino cherries. That's what we call them in this house. (laughs) All right. So with the Subway Series recap here, the Mets in game one, 
easily take care of Domingo Herman. Yep. Who I can't believe threw a perfect game. He gets nine the athletics. Runs, nine runs. Athletics. The Mets look great. Alonzo, five RBIs. McNeil, three RBIs. And Vogelback with the solo home run. Vogelback having a career week. He's got two RBIs this week. And the Mets look great. And the next night, they get a run in the third inning. They don't score again. I, I mean, I could have told you they were going to sweep both games this week. Both games exact, went exactly how they were supposed to go. Verlander oh, yeah. started the first game, the the, uh, the Tuesday game, pitched well because Verlander historically just pitches well against the Yankees. That's just wow. what happens. Uh, yeah, Herman pitched the perfect game. Outside the perfect game, uh, he hasn't necessarily been great, right? Because his ERA now is up to almost five, so it's kind of ballooned here, but. Uh, but yeah, both games went exactly how I was, I was expecting. And Carlos Rodon, I keep saying, he didn't look great to start, but he's pitched pretty well since he came back under the circumstances and missing all that time. Sure. Well, I thought it was going to, I thought the Mets were going to somehow choke it in the Verlander game. And I thought they'd win the next game because the Rodon would have feel the pressure. But listen, uh, the Mets offense just didn't show up. And I don't know how many times I got to go over this on the show, but promoting Eric Chavez to bench coach from hitting coach after a season where the Mets had their best hitting year in a long time in the regular season, minus the last week against the Braves and awful one against the Padres in the wild card. It made no sense to promote him because now the team has struggled offensively this season. And it just, it just, they're just doing too much. Doing too much sometimes. You could Getting always do what Brian Cashman does. Brian Cashman got his always to change the hitting coach. On, uh, he's done it five or six times now in the last however many years, seven, eight years. They're, all, they're always seeming to change the hitting coach. So um, maybe Billy Epler tries that as his out. I'll say, I mean, the other thing taken away from the Subway Series, which carried into – the game Thursday night against, against the, the Nationals is the, the Mets kept keep getting beamed. Alvarez got hit, Vientos got hit, then McNeil got hit, Alonso got hit. I mean, enough is enough at some point here. So I don't know. You got to send some sort of message to somebody here, and the Mets could have potentially drilled, you know, a Gleyber Torres or something. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. that was a message, but. The next time the Mets play a team in Atlanta, the next time the, the next time the Mets play the Atlanta Braves, I would say that they should bean Ronald Acuna Jr. Because if you remember, Joe, up until the Pete Alonso got hit in the hand by Charlie Morton, the Mets were playing good baseball. And that was kind of the turning point. It's been all downhill, and Pete struggled since then for the injury as well. And I think it's time to send a message to the Atlanta Braves. Who are you, Ozzie Guillen over there? I mean, the Mets have last year set the record, Joe, for the most times hit by pitch. Yeah, I know. It's happening again. It's crazy, right? You just think about it, and you're like, what? How is this happening? I think Boone maybe told uh, Abreu, go hit the go hit the Mets. Right. 
or maybe a Bray who just can't throw a strike. But back-to-back pitchers, back-to-back batters, come on. Where was the war? Unbelievable. All right, so last night, one happy note. I wanted to do the whole happy note for the episode, but as I mentioned, we couldn't because of the rain delay trade. The Mets win. I mean, the offense looked awful at first, but Kodai Senga was sensational again, sensational Senga. Guy should be the rookie of the year. Everything you could have imagined. He was great. And the Mets eke it out. They get the victory. What does this mean now? What does this victory mean now for this team, Joe? Because they were very happy in the moment, and then they were deflated when they get in the locker room to find out that their lockdown closer is gone. So I guess Adovino is the closer now. So how's the rest of the series going to play out? Are the Mets going to roll over now and say our, our, our leadership does not believe in us? Or are they going to say it's us against the world? We're going to do this. We believe in each other in here. How is it going to play out? No, they'll still play competitive baseball. Because you got Buck in the, the, the room. So I am, I'm one of those rare people who I don't really believe Buck is the problem. I think a lot of things have gone wrong this season. But I'm, I wouldn't be so quick to get rid of him. Uh, I think all of the good, believe it or not, that happened last year outside of the, uh, the, the final game of the season still outweighs the negative and everything that's kind of gone wrong this season. So I think they'll be competitive. But, I mean, let's be, be realistic. Uh, they haven't really made up any ground uh, for the last month or so. They're six games under 500. They're seven games back of the second wild card. Uh, and all the teams ahead of them are pretty good or in a better position place. So, yeah, Especially the Marlins with Dave Robertson. Right. So you can't really you're, – you're not going to lap anybody in your own division. And if that's the case, then you're not going to lap anybody for wild card ground. So at this point, it seems like they're pulling the plug. That was a pull-the-plug kind of move, trading your closer in the middle of a rain delay in late so July right before the trade deadline. Trouble. Yes, but obviously my opinion uh, known early in the, in the episode. Yeah, so at this point, the rest of the season becomes kind of where the Yankees were in, I'd say, 2016, right? There was this period of a couple of years where the Yankees were not good, and they kind of made a surprise wildcard appearance in 2015, even though they weren't really good. And then they committed to playing young talent into 2016. The summer of 2016 is when it really all changed. And then, again, like I was mentioning before, uh, Cashman kind of built the team, the structure of the team that you've kind of seen with the Yankees since that point on, from 2017 on, right? The team that's been good, uh, had those players mixed in, has been a regular season winner, but has not been able to break through to the World Series. So I think the Mets are kind of in a similar spot to where the Yankees were in 2016, where this team does have have young talent on the major league roster. It's got a couple of young players ready to go in the majors, right? So I think if Cohen wants to show more good faith to Mets fans, number one, you got to get rid of Billy Epler in the offseason. And number two, commit to your philosophy of saying, listen, I showed you guys I'm willing to spend the money, right? They had the highest payroll in baseball, right? So he, good faith, I'm willing to spend the money. This is no longer a Ponzi scheme. I'm no longer the Will Ponds. But he understands, and he said this multiple times, the only way you're going to win is if the infrastructure at the bottom changes, right? 
So at this point, Met fans give him a year or so to try to commit to getting younger talent in the pipeline ready to go, right? And again, you have some young talent on the major league roster, got some young talent ready to go. Uh, I agree with you. Like you've got to figure out a place to get Marichio, uh into the majors some point, uh, either in September or at the start of next season. Give him a chance in spring training, right? So, but that's where they're at right now. Again, you're six under five hundred. You couldn't make up any ground in July, sadly, and you reach the point where again, most fans believe you that they pulled the plug on their season and probably did. Yeah, just bizarre timing. To say the very least. So we'll see what happens here as we head towards the trade deadline, which is coming up on August 1st. As I mentioned, the plan right now is to have Pat Regazzo from Sports Illustrated on with us to, to break that all down. But Joe, it's been great having you on here. Tell everybody where they could find you on social media and where they could find the You Know I'm Right podcast. So you can find me on Twitter at jcalabrese1. Uh, you want to find Follow me on Instagram, Joey Kals, my nickname. And if you want to follow the You Know I'm Right podcast, it's Y-K-I-R podcast. Very easy to remember. Once again, we're on all platforms, right? You go to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can see our video calls. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on iHeart. We're on Apple. We're on Amazon, too. People forget about that. Uh, so we're on all major platforms. Go check us out. Like I said, uh, very sports, sports media centric podcast but had a lot of entertainers on with us uh, a lot of reality tv stars so if you're a huge fan of reality tv um uh, sure some of the names that we've had on uh, you will recognize uh, it's been a pleasure uh i hope to at the very least see some traction here with the younger players for the mets uh down the stretch over here because i am one of those yankee fans who i don't like to beat up on little brother as you know I talk very objectively with you when it comes to the, the Mets. It's not so much the other way, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. Wow, you've uh, had your moments of where you, you've been. Uh... I mean, I, I like to every now and then, you know, kind of like <laughs> twist the knife a little bit. But for the most you part, I, again, I, like, you, like you know, I stay fan, objective. You don't have to worry about with the Yankees because they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So, sure. Tough, but make sure you're <laughs> following the Believe in the Mets social media channels. All over, everywhere. It's at B-L-E-A-B-I-N-T-H-E-M-E-T-S. Believe in the Mets. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Subscribe to YouTube so you never miss an episode. Follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst. That's N at N-I-C-K underscore D-U-R-S-T. And on Instagram at Nick's Food and Stuff. So that's going to do it here for this episode of Believe in the Mets. Thank you to Joe Calabrese for stopping by. I am Nick Durst, and until next time, everybody, let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.